Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. Around the table today, Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring, Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale. I'm Josh Bells from the Well Church, and we do have Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reform Presbyterian Church. I am getting way better. You are consistently good now. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so glad uh, to be here. Glad, glad everybody's here today. So we are looking at the state of theology survey that Ligonier Ministries does every two years, starting back in 2014, which is really great because if you compare previous years to where we're at now, um, you can kind of see the trends within American evangelicalism. Uh, now, there's 33 questions. Uh, they surveyed approximately 3,000 Americans. You can actually take this survey yourself at uh, thestateoftheology.com. Pretty fun stuff. You mentioned, Jonathan, that groups could do this in your church yeah, you, or whatever. It would be a good thing to sit down as a in a Bible study group or perhaps as a family, um, maybe even with your pastor, take the test uh, and see where you come out and uh, you know where you need to grow. Yeah, yeah, that's It'd be a great, it'd be fun and and helpful. All right, so we've been basically cherry picking the questions on the doctrine of God. We've looked at the Trinity. We've looked at uh, the Son of God. Today, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. So statement number nine, and now respondents can either agree, strongly agree, disagree, or strongly disagree. Statement number nine says the Holy Spirit is a force, but not a personal being. The Holy Spirit is a force, but is not a personal being. 42%, nearly half of evangelicals agree that the Holy Spirit is not a personal being. So um, let's, let's dig into the scripture. What does the scripture say about the Holy Spirit? Well, Christ's own testimony in uh getting in John chapter 14 verses 15 and to 18 uh this is uh, the the situation where Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples and he's giving them some final instructions before he's betrayed and goes to the cross and he says here in 14 verse 15 if you love me keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper and helper there is capitalized uh, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus is speaking of the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, with very personal terms. He is a being. He's not just some force. And elsewhere, he warns people that you can blaspheme the Father, you can blaspheme the Son, but he gives very strong warnings against blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Again, giving him, uh, he is a being, he is a person. He's God, and he he's he's God, and he and he is a person. He can be grieved. We can grieve the Spirit 
uh, which would indicate that he's not a mere force. Mm-hmm. I would just simply say pronouns matter. Yep. And so if you go through John 14, 15, and 16, there are personal pronouns attached to the Spirit throughout the entire teaching. The what's in your English translation is actually in the Greek. So if he's a force, then he's it. But the pronouns being used are not it. The pronouns being used are he. And so if the Bible is actually inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit, then it cannot err, and it cannot even err in its pronouns. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the the Spirit is a power, but it's but it's not uh, an impersonal power. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a, he is a force to be reckoned with, but you have to say he. Well, he's a, a power. Force. He's a power because God is omnipotent, yep. and yeah. He's right. omnipotent. Yeah, yeah. he's and he equal can come with in, the Father and the yeah, Son. Yeah, He can come in with force. He's the Comforter. He's the one who comes, not just the comforte. He he's he's with power. He's with force. And I think the error here is to attach a characteristic and define the spirit by a characteristic. We do this all the time. We say, "I'm a teacher." Well. No, that's what you do. That's not who you are. And we do that sometimes, I think, with with the Bible mm-hmm. and with here, one of the persons of the Trinity, that because he is often associated with power as a force, people then make the, the logical error to then say, I'm going to define the Spirit by a characteristic of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And we, it's just a misplaced thought process a couple other considerations uh in acts chapter five when ananias and sapphira lied to peter peter said you have not lied to man you have lied to the holy spirit to god Mm -hmm. you can't Mm -hmm. lie to a an inanimate object Mm -hmm. Uh, also in ephesians 4 paul tells us not to grieve the holy spirit Mm -hmm. wherewith we have been sealed until the day of redemption Mm -hmm. you can't grieve that's a that's a personal property. You, you can't, can't grieve, grieve a gravity. force. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think even Jesus is teaching that he will be with us to the end of the age. Well, mm-hmm. how is Jesus with us to the end of the age? If he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's with us by his spirit, yeah. the Holy Spirit. And so the who sense Who actually dwells is, in us. Who dwells within us. Yeah. And so the idea of the scriptures is that the 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 wonderful comfort the the wonderful assurance of every child of God is that they truly have the mm-hmm. very presence of God in the Spirit with them always. Yeah. So here's a question: Ought we to worship the Holy Spirit? Ought we to worship the Holy Spirit? Yes. Well, certainly, yes. Um, That's it. The, the, okay. <laughs> well, Moving on. He's God. No, and we. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is God, the Son is God, the Father is God. They're they're one essence. So we're, but there are three persons within the Godhead. That part is a mystery, but each one uh, receives the worship as God. Yeah. And and so I mean, the the fact is is what one of the hard parts about dealing with the Holy Spirit is, in one sense, he's the silent member of the Trinity. He's the you know he's you know he's Spirit. You know, they're all, you know, Jesus came in the flesh. He manifest what God was like in the flesh. But 
God is spirit. He doesn't have a body like men. So we we have a hard time grasping uh, the nature of God because it, even though it's, you know we've been made in the image of God, um, there is a difference. But He's not man, and He can't be thought of as man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the ways that we—I mean, just to make it real practical—one of the ways that we worship the Holy Spirit is by lovingly believing his testimony about the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, in John chapter 16, mm-hmm. Jesus said in the upper room as he's uh, about to go out and, and be crucified, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks, whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The way that the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ is by taking from heaven those doctrines and teaching us to uh, teaching them to us, and we worship him by believing the testimony of mm-hmm. Jesus that the Holy Spirit speaks, mm-hmm. mainly through the scriptures. I mean, this mm-hmm. isn't some kind of mysticism. This is this is believing what the Spirit has testified in the Holy Scriptures. Mm-hmm. There is a comforting part that people recognize the three persons of the Trinity in the state of theology, that they, they can make that statement. Um, the discomforting is, is they have wrong views of uh, each of these persons. They have a wrong view of Christ. They have a wrong view of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, it is important to reemphasize over and over again this idea of the Trinity, and it's found in throughout Scripture. It's found in the baptismal formula when Jesus is baptized. You mentioned Matthew chapter 4, uh, you know, where Jesus is baptized. You have all three persons of the Trinity represented there. You know, it's it's throughout Scripture. It's in it's in First Peter one two, where you know even in the introduction to the letter of First Peter, he's speaking to those Christians elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Christ. You know, mentioning all three of them, they all get the same headlines. Mm-hmm. I would just encourage, because there is so much error on the Holy Spirit, there's so much error on the Trinity, that you just grab a couple of just good resources on them. On the Holy Spirit, I think there are two that I would commend to you. One is by Jeff Thomas, just entitled The Holy Spirit. They're Jeff short, with a G. Jeff with a G. Um, short little snippet chapters, very useful, very helpful. If you want to dig a little bit deeper, it's a little bit more of an intense read, but Sinclair Ferguson has what I think to be one of the definitive books on the Holy Spirit, entitled The Holy Spirit. If you want books on the Trinity, um, lower-level entry ones, I think, would be Michael Reeves' Delighting in the Trinity. So good. Very helpful. Um, Joe Thorne has a a book called Experiencing the Trinity that I think you would benefit from, from this whole personal aspect. Um, But if you're looking for something a a little bit more where you're going to wade a little deeper, um, I I think still John Owen's communion with God, with the the triune God, Mm. is, is still probably... The, the go-to. And, and in that same deep end, uh, Jonathan Edwards has a great uh, essay, uh, unpublished. You can just Google unpublished essay on the Trinity, Jonathan Edwards, and you'll find it. It's deep reading, but it's it's uh, lots of scripture that he throws at you, and I think you'll walk away saying, wow. And I think there are just some good systematic theologies that would be helpful to, to Burkhoff is, is not a hard read. I think I just read the, the section that deals with the Trinity. I, I think Beakey's on the, the Trinity and Reformed Theological 
his reform systematic theology is easy yeah. to just process and and read i would just encourage you because this is where most of the error of the church has been historically is on the trinity and also on the holy spirit yeah mm-hmm. i'll just say this like one of the things that reeves does in his book is he says Oftentimes, evangelicals try to uh, show how the doctrine of Trinity is not a contradiction to their unbelieving friends. And so they say something like, look, Scripture says there's one God and there's three persons. One God is not the same thing as three persons, so therefore it's not a contradiction. And then we put the period right there. And Reeves goes on to say that, like, look, it's important that we see that it's not a contradiction, but there's so much more. Mm -hmm. Like the, the Trinity... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that is whom the psalmist says, whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth there is nothing I desire besides you. I mean, the Trinity is the marrow of our faith. There's not a higher doctrine uh, than the Trinity because that's who redeemed us. The Father elected us. The Son atoned for us. The Holy Spirit applied that to us. He dwells in us now. Jesus is preparing a place for us in heaven where we will be brought to God the Father for all eternity. The, the Trinity is the vital doctrine in Christian Christianity. And I think we learn so much experiential experientially from the trinity how the father son and spirit have eternally interacted with one another is so informative for how we live now so it's not hopefully you would if you read like michael reeves delighting in trinity it's not a it's not a cold doctrine it's warm there there are huge implications for how we live that's right well, you have been listening to the Gospel for Life. Don't forget, you can go and take this survey, the State of Theology, at thestateoftheology.com. There's about 33 questions. Once you take the survey, you can go back and see how you did. Uh, this would be a fun thing for small groups. And, of course, uh, pastors, this would be a good way of determining the spiritual health of your particular flock. You have been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. <laughs>